what is up? Welcome to Bringing the Backups. I'm your host, Eric Helwig. 2021 has begun. 2020 is dead, buried in the ground. And can't you feel it's already different? Can't you feel a new energy in the air? You can't? Is that because it's exactly the same as 2020 so far? That's probably why. But who cares, right? Here's to hoping that, uh, you know, a, a million people don't die. I don't know. Let's not get into that. I have a super long fucking podcast. You probably saw when you clicked on it. Oh, my God. Am I going to listen to that whole thing? Well, you should. Lucas Hazlitt is our guest. He is a, an old friend of mine, very funny actor. You've seen him on uh, Two Broke Girls. I don't, I don't have his fucking IMDb in front of me, but you can look him up yourself, okay? At Lucas Zachary Hazlitt on Instagram. Uh, very funny, like I said, comedian, writer, and actor. You want to hang out and listen to us. Basically try to cancel each other on the podcast for an hour and a half. That's essentially what the interview boils down to. It was a great time. Business of the show, as always, if you want to support, go to erichelwig.com, hop on my newsletter. Wherever you're listening to this show, subscribe. If you have Apple or iTunes, write a five-star review for the show right there. And then most importantly, if you have friends you think would like it, please tell them about it. The show grows when people use word of mouth. So if you want to become part of my bringing the backup street team, we're always taking applications. Thank you guys so much. Like I said, it's a long show. We're going to keep the intro nice and short and get right into it. Enjoy the show and a happy new year. This is bringing the backups with Eric Helwig. Oh no guys. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021. I Personally, I thought 2020 could have gone a little bit longer. That's just me. The good years go by so quick. Yeah, that. look at that. We are, uh, we're in the new year. And by we, of course, I mean you. I'm not in the new year. I'm recording this right now, and it is Sunday, December 27th. How do you feel about that? I have shattered your idea that I rec- I'm recording this the day of. I don't. I don't, as you guys know, I've been traveling around the East Coast. Don't make me sing the song again, because I will. Where in the world is the guy that hosts this shitty podcast? I remain at my father's home, my father's dwelling. I never called him my father until this trip, but I like father now. You know, I'm 35 years old. I feel like dad is done, father is in. I call him father to his face, too. Father. It's the way I'm leaning now, but I'm still at my father's house in a uh, undisclosed location on the eastern seaboard. Seaboard? Seabird? It's not seabird. Can't be seabird. Seaboard. Why does that feel weird? I feel like I should know that stuff. I rode crew in high school. Like, aren't they? I know, like, starboard. No, that's starboard. Oh my God. Why does board feel weird? I feel like I'm over enunciating the word. Port and starboard. Starboard. But I couldn't spell it. Mm, This is tough. You guys are getting the cold hard truth. Okay, I don't record these day of. Sometimes I do them a week out. And I don't know the difference between starboard and starboard. Starburst. I know starburst. I don't think I can have that candy anymore due to my gluten allergy. This has been my, my farewell song for gluten some of you listeners know I was recently di- diagnosed with celiac disease, which is, uh, you know, 
most celiac people I know, you, you, they look good, but there's a sadness in their eyes that can't be denied, and that will now be the sadness that resides in mine. Happy New Year to you. I don't know what the new year feels like. I still have five more days of this shit. Anything could happen, all right? You just watch the Eagles get crushed by the Cowboys, which is the perfect ending for me for 2020 because the world revolves around me. That's like the one game. I don't care who's – I don't care if we're going to the playoffs. Just beat the Cowboys twice in a season, and I, I can sleep a happy man. But my team, the Eagles, no, it didn't happen. You know, who cares? I'm not, I'm not like the biggest football fan, so, you know. <laughs> So we're like, oh, but your podcast, shut up. I'm a comic, all right? This is an excuse to do comedy. And the 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 football is it's it's this it's the spoonful of sugar helps the comedy go down. That's what I sing to myself in the shower. The comedy go down. I'm going to be singing a lot more more songs coming at you straight to the face. Congratulations if you're listening to this podcast. You didn't die. Good for you. Happy that you made it. It's good to be alive. You should feel lucky to be alive. All of us should, you know? You should meditate a little bit every day about your own death. And 2020 has forced us to do this in a a lot of ways. So, you know, good riddance. 2020, we're all acting like it's all going to be, like, cured. This shit could stretch out. Like, it's not cured. So... Who knows what 2021 is going to look like. You know, I hope that the holidays gave you guys like a appreciation or whatever for your life and all that stuff. I should mention five minutes in. Uh, we're going to talk about Steve Bono uh, a little bit later. Our man Steve Bono and uh, his career, tragic as it may be, this man was never given a shot. You can actually, you can really say... You know, sometimes we have quarterbacks on this show who suck, and I'm just, you know, I I build them up a little bit. But, you know, we all know that, you know, Cleo Lemon wasn't ruined or robbed of anything. He just wasn't that great. Steve Bono's got a little argument to make here. All right? Listen to these numbers, okay? He threw 62 touchdowns to 42 interceptions. That's a QB rating of 75.3. Okay, that's, that's not great, but, I mean, it's average. But the dude went 13-3 and with the Chiefs. In 1991, he got a chance to step onto the 49ers, went 5-1 and in six games. This guy, look at these teams. Vikings, Steelers, 49ers, Chiefs, Packers, Rams, and Panthers. It's a 15-year career, motherfuckers. That's a, this, is, this guy accomplished some stuff in the league. And listen to who he, listen to who he backed up. He backed up Joe Montana twice. He backed up Steve Young, and he backed up Brett Favre. And this dude has held a lot of massive jock straps. Good for him. If you're not going to get to start in the league, I mean, you might as well play behind a legend like that, you know. Kelly Holcomb, who's a quarterback we did, you know, he sat behind Peyton Manning for a long time. You know, if you're going to be a backup, that's where you want to be. You want to soak it up like a little baby soaks up their parents fighting over how they didn't want to have a baby. Like the way that happens, a backup quarterback sops up the juices that flow from, I make it sound like all backup quarterbacks have to sexually service the, the starter, which is not what I think the reality of NFL is. But you get what I'm saying. 
it's a it's not a bad gig to be behind a legend. Step in, prove yourself. And you go back to the back to the shadows, you know? Like the fucking Phantom of the Opera and you just sing into mirrors and try to haunt the cheerleaders. I don't know. I can't finish this metaphor. But you get it. Steve Bono, uh very good golfer apparently too. I'm looking at his uh personal life. Looks like he Plays in some pretty legit pro am golf tournaments. That's I don't know shit about golf. I played golf one time and I think I got a hole in one, but I wasn't like I can't remember if like I hit it and I didn't see where the ball went and we thought it was a hole in one, but like I think we just walked off the course. It was one of those like public courses, you know, where like the you know the green is like astroturf or something. Like it was not a nice course, but I, I hit one shot that I was like that should be enough for me. We were pretty we were pretty trash when we were playing too. That was a trick my old timeshare company used to do too. There, uh, you make a hundred sixty dollars for everything you sold, minus whatever gifts you gave people. So you, the incentive you had was to not give away gifts unless you had to to get people in to take these uh these ninety minute death tours. They just pressure sales the shit out of you. Again, I like I said, I have guilt from it, and I never did the tour. I just walked people. I got people into the tour. You know, like to the. So I was just the person bringing. Someone to the gates of hell. But I didn't escort them into Dante's seventh circle like some of the other people I knew. I was just evil. It, it's evil. Let's just call it what it is. But I remember, like, one of the gifts we gave away was golf. Like, Billy, you get unlimited golf. All you got to do is pay your card fee. You get unlimited golf. And all it cost us was $5. So if you could sell somebody on unlimited golf, I'll give you unlimited golf your entire trip in Williamsburg. All you got to do is come in this morning take a 90-minute tour. Here's the address. Let me get a $20 bill off you right now. We'll send you in. That's what I used to do. And so I'd always start with like, you know, it wouldn't matter who I was, like, you know, like an 18-year-old girl would come out of Walmart. I'd be like, do you like golf? Because you always want to try. And they're like, no. I'd be like, okay, well, then I'll give you $100 cash. Just go to this stupid breakfast. But you always start with the golf. You always see, can I get them on golf? The craziest thing about that job was that you had to get a $20 cash deposit. Like, you would sign somebody up for a tour, but then they had to give you $20, and then they would get their $20 back when they showed up the next morning for the tour. So to make sure that people weren't just, like, filling it out because they didn't know how to say no. You know? So, like, that was, like, how you knew people were committed. So I used to get $20 from people in Colonial Williamsburg for these tours. I would sign up, like, you know on a good day, seven or eight people. So you're making decent money doing it. But I would like, I would like wait in my car at a stoplight until people with out of, t- out of plate tags showed up. And I would literally like drive up next to them at a stop and like r- motion for them to roll their window down and be like, follow me. And I'd pull off onto the side of the road. They would follow. I would approach their car I would sign them up on the side of the road. And then if they didn't have $20 on them, I would say, like, there's an ATM right down the street, and we would drive to the ATM where they would take money out and give me a 20 This is shameful shit. Like, this is, like, I know, like, you know, we cancel everybody for, like, telling a joke about a trans woman now, but, like, this, I actually should be canceled for being a part of Timeshare. Like, it was horrible. I'll salve my, my guilt in it by being like, I wasn't one of the bad ones. I would tell people what was up and 
you know, I would, like, if someone was cool, like, I wouldn't just give them the golf. I'd throw in the Bush Garden tickets. But at the end of the day, they're going in for some pressure sales. And some people were hip to it, but other people weren't. You were really, like, I was hurting people. What if I just ended the podcast on this? Like, I can't bear it anymore. I just, <laughs> just disappear, grow a big beard. No, you know, what, what, what are you going to say? I was 22, 21, 22, 21. Yeah, was, then I turned 22, and then I moved to New York. So, yeah, I was 21 years old, right out of college. You know, that's what my college degree got me, was selling stuff in Colonial Williamsburg. I was very close to getting a job as a journalist, but I didn't get that. So instead I uh, did the timeshare thing. So I, you know, I was going to be telling one set of lies or another set of lies. I don't know what to say. I was going to be spinning a narrative one way or another. And here I am, 13 years later, doing a podcast for you motherfuckers. Who's the quarterback this week? Steve Bono. Let's get back to Steve Bono. He's got a kid, Christopher. No, Kristoff. His name's Kristoff? Well, that's a choice. Why do they, I, I, I've said this before, why do they put their kids' names in the Wikipedia page? It's, it's too much. We don't need to know this. Yeah, his whole personal life is just talking about his son, Kristoff. And why are you doing that with the name? Just finish the ER. You're Christopher. That's your name, not Christoph. Why are you? Why cut off the ER? Maybe because his name is Bono, and if you put an ER in his name, it's, you know, it's Bono. He's like, no, I won't put my son through what I did. So he cut off the ER just to be safe. I don't know. This seems like a stretch. I've been talking for too long. Let's get to the first bit on the show, and then I'll uh, I'll fill you guys in on the, the career, the life, the journey quarterback Steve Bono. All right, but for now, just, uh, you know, enjoy the pre-planned bit. Welcome back to another edition of On This Day in Backup History. Today we embark to the beautiful state of Arizona to watch snakes bang. Kidding. It's for a backup quarterback. After a season of rotating between quarterback and punter, Tom Tupa told his head coach, listen, I'm a quarterback or I'm a punter. Pick one. I'm not a spork. The head coach nodded, then stabbed Tupa in the thigh with a pitchfork from an Arizona State Sun Devil statue sitting on his desk. At the time, the Cardinals and the Sun Devils played in the same stadium in Phoenix. So the logic of this bit totally tracks. All right. Tom Tupa, a very interesting guy. He's famous for coming in that game for the Jets. In like 2001 with Parcells. But he actually legit played quarterback for the Cardinals years before. We'll get to two, but I feel like he'll be on the show sometime. He's in that spot. He's kind of close to Bono where he's like old enough to where like it might be a little further than my range. Like there's not a lot of 50-year-olds that know what the fuck Apple Podcast is. But Tom Tuba might have to just make it on just for the novelty of a straight-up punter and quarterback. You know, that's it's pretty cool. Anyway, Steve Bono starts it out. University of California, Los Angeles. That's where I live. Got a degree in sociology and uh, played at UCLA, where he posted he had 177 completions on 350. What, he only started for one season? That's some bullshit. All right. Earned a varsity letter in baseball as the team's catcher. Bono the catcher. All right. Gets drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. Gets drafted in the sixth round. Plays for two seasons there. Gets into two games, looks like. Then he goes to the Steelers. He's there, he's there for two seasons. So this is 85 to 88. Two seasons in the Vikings, two seasons on the Steelers. Then we get to the good stuff. 49ers, baby. 
backs up Joe Montana and Steve Young. God, talk about getting buried. I mean, holy shit. Can you imagine being the third-string quarterback behind Joe Montana and Steve Young? Oh, my God. That's like both your brothers being astronauts. You're never going <laughs> to... Why even come to work? I mean, that's the truth. Is like, there's no way you're going to play. Until 1990, although I should say that, because in 1990, 91, Montana gets it knocked out for the season. Steve Young gets injured mid-season, and then who comes in? Who comes in? Steve Bono goes 5-1 and one as a starter and finished the season fourth in passer rating behind Steve Young, Jim Kelly, and Mark Rippon. That's not bad. Steve Bono. That would have been, he's 91, so that's like his seventh year in the league. He's probably 29 years old. He's saying, give me a chance, world. I can do it. Actually, it's funny. I was... Uh, when I was researching Steve Bono, I watched a game from 1991 against the Falcons, and the CBS, <laughs> the CBS movie of the week was called uh, The Rape of Dr. Willis. I'm not kidding. It's The Rape of Dr. Willis. You know, like they're like, oh, this week on CBS, Sunday you can watch 60 Minutes, followed by Murder, She Wrote. And then it's The Rape of Dr. Willis. Jacqueline Blue 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 plays Dr. Willis, who's violently raped and then is charged for murder when her rapist dies at her hands at the hospital. I'm like, this is the craziest lead in ever to like the fourth quarter of a football game. 1991. You could, I guess (laughs) trigger warnings were not a thing in 1991. The guy that's coming on the show today is my, uh, my buddy Lucas. I texted him. Look at the CBS movie of the week that I found (laughs) while researching this dude. Whenever you do, by the way, I always recommend this for people who are like fans of the show. You can go on YouTube. You can find all the stuff I'm finding about these guys. It's just whatever is on YouTube. People go back and find full games from 1986. You can watch commercials and products and how things got. And you're just like, what fucking country do we live in? But yeah, this was uh, that 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 made me laugh. So let's get back to the let's get back to business. Okay, so he goes back to a backup behind uh, behind Steve Young because he's you know he's Steve Young and and then he gets traded to the Chiefs where Joe Montana went. So he backs up Montana again in 1994. Montana retires, and then who's stepping in? 1995 Kansas City Chiefs. You know it. Steve Boner comes on in, and they go three and thirteen. Dude, three and thirteen. And then lose in the playoffs to the Colts, who Jim Harbaugh, I think, was the quarterback. Bono plays like crap. Gets replaced by uh, Rich Gannon. And then the kicker misses a kick. He missed like three kicks in the game, and they lose like 10-7 to in what appeared to be the most boring uh, playoff game of all time. But that was his like one season. He comes back for the Chiefs in uh, 1996. They are not as good in 1996 as they were. And uh, they only go 9-7. and seven in uh, Bono's second year. And then they let him go. Even though he'd made the Pro Bowl in 95, at that point he's like, he's old. He's like 33, 34, and they're like, fuck it, they bring in Elvis Gerbach to be the starter. How many times is Elvis Gerbach going to take over? A backup comes in, Trent Dilfer, Steve Bono. These are the heroes of the show. Elvis Gerbach's like the villain of this show. He's always robbing backups of a chance to start and then coming in and sucking. 
Although, actually, let's take a look at how they did with Gerback. They might have done better. Let's see, 96. Yeah, the Chiefs go 9-7. and seven. In 97 with Gerback, they go 3-13 and 13 again. So, all right, fuck me. Obviously, it was the right choice then. But that doesn't make it right for what Baltimore did, all right? I'm not going to let, let you get off thinking that I was proved wrong because one of the things I was saying turned out to be bullshit. Okay, Elvis Gerback was fine. In 1997. Although, I don't know, maybe he was injured week one and his backup took them to those games. All right, I didn't research. I'm a busy man. 1997, Steve Bono, you know, with a bindle stick with a red bandana tied on top of it with all of his belongings, goes to Green Bay, backs up Brett Favre. At that time, probably the best quarterback in the league. He's not going to play there. He doesn't. 2000 or 1998... That's uh, three years before 9-11. He goes to (laughs) – it's not necessary. He goes to St. Louis and backs up Tony Banks, but then he actually ends up starting a little bit. But they both suck. Tony Banks also probably going to be in this podcast a little bit later. A lot of talent with that guy. And I think he spent some time uh, with the Redskins, the Washington football team, the team of players from the Washington, D.C. area of America, I meant to say. In the 1999, his final season, he backs up Steve Berline on the Carolina Panthers. Steve Berline also probably going to be on this podcast at some point because he played quarterback until he was 85. He's like the Tom Brady of shitty quarterbacks. Like if Tom Brady was terrible and still playing into his 50s, that's Steve Berline. So another favorite uh, backup of mine that'll – Make his appearance at some point. But that's the career for Steve Bono. And you can look at it right here. Won a Super Bowl, obviously, with the 49ers. Went to the Pro Bowl in 1995. Was the AFC Player of the Year in 1995. And he's back to backing up Favre two years later. I mean, you can really say that this guy might have never gotten his shot. A real shot. Just like, it's your team. Take us, man. You go thirteen and three, nine and seven. I don't know. That's pretty solid. You're twenty two and ten as a starter. Did I do that math right? I think I did. I like Steve Bono. I got a lot of uh, sympathy for the guy. I think there's no question this guy's got one of the more tragic cases of getting caught. You know, a situation where you're just not going to beat somebody out. And who, who, who among us? Who amongst us? Probably among was right. Hasn't had a situation like that. Where someone's just better than you. Sometimes someone's just better. I was on an improv team with Michelle Wolf. All right. We're going to do another pre-planned bit here. You guys ready for some pre-planned bits? Well, this is not a bit. This is serious. This is fucking support my podcast. You guys know how to do it, though, right? We're in the new year. It's 2021. Spread some joy to me and support the podcast. I'm not going to tell you how to support the podcast. My brother-in-law is... If you want something done right, you need to do it yourself. Unless it's telling your audience how to support your podcast, because that shit gets old real quick. I think you should outsource it. And that's what I've done. Welcome to My Friends and Family Plug My Show. These are real people with real reasons why you should support me. I hope you listen. I hope you hear. And I do hope you support. Hi, I'm Eric's brother-in-law. I don't feel comfortable making fun of Eric, so I'll just tell you to rate, review, and subscribe to on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
and go to erichelwig.com to get on his newsletter. That's erichelwig.com. Say something nice about the podcast. I, I haven't heard it. I'm sure Eric will cut out that last part. He obviously won't want me here straight, straight up saying, I don't listen to the podcast. I wonder what my brother-in-law's name is. You'll never know! I'm not going to tell you guys stuff like that, all right? I can't trust you. All right? Somebody in my personal life lets their name slip on the podcast, and some of you psychos are sending dick pics a week later. I can't trust you. But when I get a Patreon account, ooh, I'll trust those people. $5 a week, you can send my brother-in-law dick pics. I don't care. 10 bucks a week, you can go to his house. I can tell that I've got a group of you out there. There's about 100 of you that listen every week. I can tell. And then I've got the people that I'm, like, annoying on other things to listen. But I know there's some of you. You're listening every week. And for those people... If you can just get 900 of your other friends to do the same thing you're doing and all give me $5, I can stop selling discount theater tickets and just do comedy. I was on an improv team with Michelle Wolf. All right, let's move along. Very excited. I got to say, I am excited for the new year. That's going to be good for a lot of reasons. You know, it's like a new There's something like cleansing about when the new year comes. You guys know you've experienced this. You know, yesterday, or when, I I don't know when this is coming out. Whenever you're listening to this, like it's been the new year recently. Me, I'm looking forward to it, but those moments are important. I did it during the pandemic by shaving my head, which one day I was just, I just shaved my head and she was like, what the hell did you just do? And I guess she Googled it because she was concerned for my mental health and she was like, oh no, it turns out like there's like a thing with people's like mental state and when you cut your own hair, specifically shave your head. It's obviously like people do that in trying times to help get themselves out of a funk. And I was like, I don't know. I just shaved my head. I just, she does a lot of the research on things that are happening in our lives. I just kind of like, it just happens to me. That's my advice for life is just let, let it happen to you. (laughs) And marry somebody who's more curious than you are to understand it after it. But yeah, it's going to, it's going to be good. And so many, uh, you know, resolutions people can make in the new year, try to make something of, of this situation that we're in, you know, I don't know what that thing is for you. Do you, what do you want to do in your life? Do you have a novel that's been kicking around in your head for five years? Now's the time to write it, everyone. It's the new year. Have you wanted to like clean out your garage and you've been waiting for the right time? Now's the time. Clean out the garage. Get your car back in the garage. No reason for it to be sitting in the driveway. It's the new year. Do you want to kill a man and then eat him to make it the perfect crime? Yeah. Now would definitely be the time to do that. There's going to be a solar flare in four months, and we're going to be able to do that anyway. So you might as well just be a little ahead of the curve. Well, actually, I guess if that's really what we think is going to happen, you might want to just wait until the solar flare so you don't have to risk getting locked in prison and then the solar flare happens and then you just starve to death in your cell, you know? Yeah, I guess just wait on that one. What is what is going to happen? I didn't know anybody that got COVID until a couple weeks ago and then all of a sudden it's like I'm starting to know people that are getting it, which is crazy. It is weird knowing people. You're like, I know that guy. I know him. He has it. <laughs> Everybody's good, I think. Everybody's good. That's the important part, you know? But, I mean, man. It's, it's, it is real, right? 
I realize there's only two extremes. You can either think it's fake and we should live our lives or you think it's real and uh, the only cure is if Amazon's the only business left in the country. <laughs> I think those are the two extremes and you have to choose one. You can't be in the middle. Right? We don't have a society that wants people in the middle. You got to choose. I, was, I, I really did want this to be optimistic. I mean, I think here's the thing. I, I am an optimistic person. I'm letting my, I'm letting my imagination run. But hopefully – Hopefully, we are on the back end of it, right? I mean, I don't know. I got into a comedy festival in Hawaii that's supposed to be at the end of February, and I'm just like, I mean, I'm a yes for now. Now, I'll say yes now, and then maybe it'll end up being a thing, but I mean, geez, can you really even hold your breath for that stuff? I mean, the idea of doing live comedy again, like, I'll seriously start weeping on the podcast. Like, I don't want to ever cry on the podcast. I'm not that brave. So I'm not going to cry on the podcast, but if I found out right now that I was going to get the chance to do live comedy, I would uh, cry really hard. So yeah, hopefully, I mean, like I said, hopefully that's a thing, but who really, who really knows? I feel like it's going to get pushed back. Whatever, I guess I'll just keep doing Zoom comedy shows, which I keep getting people reaching out to me to do them, and I'm like, I don't want to say no to shows. I don't want to... I don't want to be that guy. Like, if, like, you know, isn't that the thing? I remember I heard Chris Gethard in New York say one time, any stage that'll have me. So what if the stage is my own house staring into my own laptop camera? Like, isn't that a stage? I don't know. I've done a, I've done a couple of these live shows, and they're not horrible. It's always just like a, it's a baseline of bad with moments where you don't hate it. And then, you know, a young comic has like a setup behind him where he's standing up and using a wooden spoon as a microphone and you get sad again. Because it's sad. It's sad if you're standing up. If you're standing up on your Zoom shows, you're making it sad. It should feel like someone losing their mind in a, in a work meeting. Okay, that's what it, it should be. The more prepared you are for it, I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I, you know, I never know what like the comic code is on stuff. What's the code? Everybody has their own code. There's, there is no code. I talked to one guy, and they're like, yeah, Zoom shows are great. Made a lot of connections doing them. Booked a couple things. It's been cool. And other people are like, go hang yourself with your belt. You did a Zoom show. You want to like kill me like I'm Mel Gibson and Braveheart. My last words will be Zoom show. Like, it, <laughs> like well, I'm, not, I'm not willing to die for them. I'm just saying if somebody asks me to do them, it's not my fault that I've been professional for the last five or six years and I've built relationships where people ask me to do these shows, right? What, I'm going to say no? So anyway, you can see me at the Flappers virtual room. Now, I think, actually, I think Flappers out in California said they, I think they might start doing outdoor shows. I don't know. I thought I heard that somewhere. I haven't inquired. I haven't been in town. But I'm going to be back soon. By the time you guys are listening to this, I'll be on the road heading back to California. You know, I figured now was a good time to drive back to L.A. You know, one in three people is dead. <laughs> We're going back to L.A. That's the plan. And uh, 2021, hopefully some good shit happens. We have one more pre-planned bit. And uh, I'm going to play it for you right now. Then we're going to get to our interview, which I'm really excited about. It's a, it's a good one this week. Bring in the Backups Presents. Letters Home from the Bench, December 1st, 1968. Cotton Davidson writes, To my beloved betrothed Amelia, 
With each 60th of hour, it becomes discerningly self-evident that my physical command has greatly abated me. Perchance I will return to the joys of family and hearth very soon, leaving football behind forever. Maybe I will travail as a checkout boy at our native market. If some bigwig hawkins from afar that they fancy any oval oblong cut food item, as it may be, I could electrify them with a tightly spiraled forward pass that strikes them in the chest bone with their requested fare. Do you believe the local market would concede me this reverie, Amelia? How I hope it will. All my love, Cotton. P.S. My name sounds racist. Cotton Davidson was shot in the face 15 seconds after finishing that letter. And they always read those letters. (laughs) They always die the next day. It's never, even like a week later, they always are dead, like, with my last stroke of the, and then they're stabbed through the tailbone with a bayonet. Beautiful. Thank you, Cotton. For your for your words, we want to get to our interview for the show. I keep saying this week, but it's every other week. If you you guys know that, right? Like I'm not just not doing it every week; it's every other week. So I, I should rephrase that somehow. Our show this second week has a great interview. It's a friend of mine from New York. I really, when I started doing comedy after I was getting out of timeshare, I met this guy very early on. Uh, Lucas Hazlitt is a very funny actor, comedian, writer. You've most recently seen him on American Princess. but He's also been on Wrecked on TBS, Two Broke Girls. You know, he's had a much more successful career than me, and I 100% resent him for it because he is a close friend. And that's how you know someone's a real good friend, all right? When you see them having success in the business, you're not that happy for them. Like, you're happy they're doing well. But you debate whether it's more pissed off that they (laughs) had a great time chatting with him. You guys are going to enjoy it. Let's get to Lucas. Yeah, it's going to be no different. Yeah. Oh, you're drinking beer? I'm drinking a little McAllen, baby. I am not drinking beer, my friend. I'm drinking cranberry lime seltzer. Oh, wait, you can't have beer for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. No, that's real. That's a huge difference. That's I can't a- have beer for the rest of my life. That's a game changing changer in a bad way. Just do, uh, do, uh, don't give me advice. Wicker. Don't give me advice. It's nothing is going to be good. I think I will be able to drink beer later because I've been doing a lot of research on, uh, a cure for celiac and they're coming up with those little like lactate. Worms. Oh, lactate pills. <laughs> yeah. Worms. No, no. They, they, there was a, a thing where they would – there was like microbial worms that they would put in your intestine that would devour the gluten before it got into your system, which your system can't – which your system rejects. So you could eat pasta. You could eat bread and the, these microbials – the problem is you have a symbiotic relationship with microbial – microbial infestation in your colon. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna pass on the on the alien bursting from my belly in two years. Like, but you can eat pasta, baby. I've been doing a lot of research on the clinical trials of, like, you know, how they have lactate pills. Um, 
they're in like the third stage of a four stage process to get that for gluten. So I'm sure in like 10 or 15 years, there'll be some sort of thing to do. But for now, I'm going to have to get, uh, I'm going to have to lose 50 pounds and be hot. Well, I mean, if you're still trying to make an honest go of it in Hollywood, that wouldn't hurt you anyway. So well, I either got to lose 50 or gain 20. Yeah, you got to, you're in, you got to, you're in that zone. You got to make a choice. <laughs> either you go, you go Chris Pratt hot or you go Chris Pratt funny. You got to make a choice. Yeah. I, or, or I could go dramatic and be like fat James Spader and shave my head, you know? No, but nobody wants fat James Spader. <laughs> nobody. Can we talk like this? No. Like, this is a New York thing, okay? When you're in LA, we have to say that The Blacklist is one of our favorite shows. You know this. You can't. I, you can't I, I we must be hanging out with, that. we must be hanging out with different Angelinos. I, or maybe this is why my career stalled because I have no problem being like, that sucks. That show sucks. That film sucks. That actor sucks. That comedian's not funny. Garbage. But yeah. that's why. That's why. If you look at my background, it's just a white wall. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's. You once told me. I remember I went over to your. I don't. I don't think it's where you're still living. It was must have been your old apartment, or maybe it was. But you were like, you show me your bedroom, and there's a there's nothing up in your bedroom, as there never is. And I'm like, this would drive me crazy. And you're like, well, my goal is to one day fill my bedroom with nothing but screens and just have screens going all around. And I'm in my head, I'm like seeing the headline comedian, Lucas Hazlitt dead from brain cancer at the age of 42. But like you wait oh, a second. Can I just say something? What? That is the sweetest thing anyone's ever said that you think in five years, I'll be worthy of a news story. <laughs> <laughs> That's so adorable. Thank in, reality, you. in reality, it'd be like a tweet. It wouldn't even be a tweet. It would, or it'd be a tweet that just like, First of all, in five years, if I have screens in my room, I deserve – I don't know how I would have gotten them. So We can extrapolate that. If you have the screens in your room, mm-hmm. it means you achieve some sort of financial success, yes. which means you'd have enough fame to have a headline. Yes, and I now – I don't remember the exactitudes of saying that, but I can tell if I dig deep into my own subconscious that the reason I mentioned that was because of that Black Mirror episode – 15 million merits where he's in that like pod and it's just all the walls are screens anyway. So you're literally just surrounded by TV screens anyway. And I was like, I actually think I would like to live like that where you can control it. You could, you know, your wall becomes a big TV screen. You could turn it off, but it would be cool that instead of having, you know, pictures of, you know, like the one behind you of white men stealing land from 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 the natives. Civil war, asshole. That's oh, civil war. Oh, that noble Union soldiers. That don't. Be, we're not getting into that five minutes in. The nobler cause. It's the, the civil war. It is a noble cause. It's the end of slavery. Yeah, that's the union. Technically, wasn't the end of slavery if we really want to talk about it? Because the Texans, no, I'm not doing that whole Ava DuVernay Thirteenth Amendment bullshit. I'm just saying the Emancipation Proclamation wasn't even recognized in Texas until another five years later. People were still picking cotton and digging trenches. Well, you're getting bothered with me seven I'm minutes. Bother. I'm saying this is my this is my father's home. He spent 24 years in the army, and it's covered in these photos of men. On horses, ordering other men into battle. That's if that's you show art. me. So if you go over here, that's okay. the cavalry flag from where he was somewhere. Yeah, it's like a lot of it's a lot of military stuff in the house. 
Show me a picture of a modern war, please. I feel like men have romanticized past wars too much. Mm -hmm. Whereas modern war, which is not as romantically cinematic, is, I think, far more romantic because the stakes are so much deadlier. Yeah, but the way that the warfare is waged is horrifying. Much, much less human. Yeah, the idea that you can like just sit in like a mall in Reseda and blow up a town in Syria and then go out and get like a Cinnabon isn't like as cool a movie as 1917. I mean, yeah, I don't want to see that one or that one shot of a guy pressing a button and then get, eating a Cinnabon. <laughs> not as exciting. I agree. It's just not as exciting cinematically. Did you see 1917, by the way? Of course I saw 19. It was amazing. Like one of my favorite movies. I that agree. movie proves the adage that there's never, there ne not only has there never been, but there literally never can be a genuinely anti-war movie because every movie makes every war look like a dreamscape. It's violent. It's grotesque. But my God, it's beautiful. That man's running away from Nazis. And you just like, wow, that's pretty. It, it's just gorgeous. Did you see Jojo like, Rabbit? I guess technically speaking, they weren't Nazis yet. My bad. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a it's a soft subject with me. I mean, Friedrich Halvig. The Fiora was not, not established yet. Yeah. He was As in that war, though. Wasn't he? In, in, who? Hitler was in that First World War. I don't know the answer to that. I think he fought in that First World War. I don't remember what in what capacity. Is this something we should try to Wikipedia? We can. I mean, I we're. We I don't think we need to, but I'm gonna. Why, why don't you talk about that thing you were just talk about to get into? Um, on Wikipedia. Let, 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 there's a thing. There's a standard on this show where you just say stuff that feels like it should be true, and then mm -hmm. that is what goes out. So you mean we're just two guys talking? Well, that's that, what. That is well, kind of how men. Are. I said that last sentence. Men. I'm saying that's what men do. Men just talk and say things as though they think it's correct. And before Wikipedia, I can't imagine how much bullshit was going back and forth between well, conversations. Not, well, I'm not helping the Wikipedia thing because I am editing the Wikipedia page of every quarterback that I do on this show to reflect things I'm saying in the podcast. I, I do recall that that is a trend of yours that you were doing, which I think is spectacular, by the it's way. A, it's, it's a solid idea, and it's something I used to do. I used to do it when I was in college a lot, like – it's kind of embarrassing to admit how much time I spent going on random Wikipedia pages. And oh, my God. Wait, how much older than you am I? There was Wikipedia when you were in college. There was no Wikipedia yeah. when I was in college. You're like, uh, well, I'm 35. How old are you? Oh, I'm only 37. I remember being like towards the end of me being in college. All right. Maybe that's the case. Maybe. I mean, there was obviously the Internet and, you know, sources, if you will. Yeah, I mean, when I was in college, there were no trains. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, me too. A sexual train, I mean. Oh, oh, no, yeah. I, we had discovered no, that. no sexual trains. No one. Uh, we we only fucked one person at a time. Yeah, on old steam locomotives. Yes, we. Wow. That's what my cum looks like. It just poop, poop, poop. It just steams like Steamboat Willie. That's how I come. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Are we? We should. We should talk about the the quarterback the, of the goddamn episode. That's. Uh, Have we started yet, or, is, or was that banter? Random banter. Was that pre-podcast banter? Banter. There is no pressure to do anything. Like we could talk about my dad's war painting for for thirty minutes if you really wanted to. But I mean, at um, some point, it's nice to touch upon the 
you know, I picked I picked Steve Bono. First off, if people listen to the fir- the first episode of the show, mm-hmm. I'm like, some of my friends were being real assholes and telling me that I should have Tom Brady on because he was a bad. I'm like, I'm literally talking about you. You gave me well zero me, absolute horseshit. Your show is called this show. This show is called Backups, right? Bring in yeah. the backups. Yes. Well, guess what? This is this is what I wanted to talk about. The there is a built-in romanticized narrative because wait, because of guys like Steve Young and Brett Favre and Tom Brady and you want to go even further back, the Jeff Hostetlers, these guys who and for you, Mr. Eagles, the Nick Foles of the world who sure. are not meant to be starters but they get their big break and they do something spectacular. And so naturally when you pitched this idea some, I don't know how many months ago it was, uh, by the way, congratulations. Cause I think it was before the pandemic that you had no, that idea. Was it wasn't. That was a couple oh. of months. In. Um, well, it's outlived some people. Never mind. We're not going to go down that road. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, name. No, no, um, no, I will not. Um, because eventually COVID will get us all. Might not kill you, but it will get ever. It will touch, just like the cold or the flu has gotten. And now the headline is: local nobody compares COVID to the flu. And it's like, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I mean is, there is. This is what adds. I think adds an extra nice, delicious layer of tragedy to the story of all backups because there have been these romanticized success stories, which, yeah, of course, when I, this started, I was like, Oh, you mean like Steve young? And you're like, no asshole. I don't mean that. I mean, you know, these guys, these like, <laughs> you know, guys were the most fascinating thing on their Wikipedia page is the edit you've made that they've made on sure. the podcast. Like there is a, there is a tragedy because even if you think about, and I and you know I'm a big I'm more of a basketball guy anyway but like imagine a person busting their ass for so many years of their lives of their lives of their life they're better than everyone around them they're the the dopest high school quarterback they're the dopest fucking college quarterback they get to the NFL and everyone at this level is the best of the best of all time and maybe the best that you'll ever achieve is just you're like the 36th or 33rd best person on earth at your craft and you will never see the light of day in any way other by by the way I'm looking at my video and I'm like oh my god uh the quarantine has really done a number on my dentistry I have teeth that are yellower than my skin it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just, I, I need to go hit up my dentist and be like can you give me that Tom Cruise whitening shit all I'm saying is and glow in um, the dark. Yeah. So that when I, you know, I can be seen at night. Um, I just find it. Um, I don't remember what the fuck I was going to say. You were saying there's a, there's an inherent tragedy in backups that gets, uh, gets highlighted by the ones that do get the opportunity and it never gets taken away from them. Like they just, that reminds they, me, they take off like a rocket and they're just gone and they're not. Back. Yes. And, and so, what that reminds me of in lieu, not in lieu, but in preparation of, of talking about the quarterback that you've suggested for me, I've actually thought about it. And who more than the San Francisco 49ers has had a more historic run of backups, both successful backups who went on to their own Hall of Fame careers and then tragic backups 
quarterbacks who were backups became quarterbacks and now can't even get a fucking backup job. And then a quarterback who had has two Super Bowl rings while a backup and is now a shitty quarterback as a starter, lost us a Super Bowl, and is now backing someone up because he's a fuck he's got injured. So his backup is currently playing. I don't know. These are just all things that I was like, wow, this is a, a deep cycle of backing up and tra- a tragic backups is the San yeah, Francisco 49ers. I think it's uh, I think you're making it deeper than I uh, deeper than I've ever thought about it. I'm like, uh, you're not as good as the other guy. And then he shatters his fibula. And now you get to try. OK. And, some, and sometimes and, and, and what I find very the part of it that I find compelling is the scenarios in which people get their chance. So you, much, only, you only get your chance one way. Injury. Yes. Failure. But but, but but even that, even that, like it matters who gets injured on what team you get injured, who the coach is. Is the coach a lame duck? Is the coach did he just sign a four year extension and he has a little more leash to let you learn on the job, or do you need to be good right away? Who's random? Who get who really gets like the good opportunity and who gets like a a shitty one and see this is why i do think it is it is as deep as i was uh making it because is it random is it fate is it destiny what are the circumstances that have again if you put on paper the circumstances that had to go down for tom brady to get his shot in what was it 2000 or 2001 what was which year was that i can't I remember 2000, right okay. because oh wait didn't the patriots win after September 11th, that's the, pa- the Patriots. Yes, so that would have been 2001 um, when they won the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, it would have been 2002 when they won the Super Bowl, but it would have been after 9/11. Um, but the amount of shit that had to go wrong slash right 9/11. I mean, first of all, two, first of all, Boston had, Boston had to send two airplanes into <laughs> New York buildings. The, I think what's his name, Ali Malagalach. Was on the plane. <laughs> well, I'm done. That's well, his name. <laughs> oh, no, I, I think Al- Alaba Malachalach was like, "This is for Tom Brady." I was always a Wolverine fan. You're doing the voice too. You're good. Yeah, you're, I'm you're fully, fully cooked. Look, let me tell you this right now. It's dawned on me. Let's make a let's make a metaphorical comparison. Why do some people make SNL, Mad TV, the the pilot that they shoot? Why do some people get plucked from the same pool of idiots? And assholes who are, we're all doing yuck yucks. Why do some people get plucked for, uh, you know, JFL? Why do some people get plucked? You just do. On one night, the people that saw you saw you fucking throw five touchdowns. You looked good in practice. You, you nailed your interview. You get the opportunity. And some people get that job opportunity and then they languish for six, seven, eight years. Some people get a job opportunity like that. And the lead actor is like, you know what? I don't want to be on this show anymore. And then they have to scramble to give you a bigger part. Now all of a sudden you're fucking famous. It's the same thing. You never know things that are completely out of your control have to happen for you to be famous and successful. And that's what leads to it being epic, tragic, comedic, dramatic, all the fun buzzwords you learn at Yale school of drama. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, does he have more? I've got a a dramaturgical coincidence. (laughs) You're reading from a scroll. No, I, I, I agree with you, man. Like it's, 
I always thought when I was doing the show or when I was coming up with the idea for the show that there was something very relatable to nobody's on there. Like when I was a kid, I wanted to be this. And then everything happened the exact way that I thought it like, that's no, I mean, that, that is Tom Brady, maybe, but no, like, but it's not Tom Brady struggled in college. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah. So the, like the best story of Tom Brady ever is when you found out that during the draft, he was getting his resume looked at because he thought he had a, his career was going to be what, like in real estate or something or biz- he was he was polishing his resume because he thought, oh, well, I'm not going to get drafted. And even if I do, I'm not going to be a star. I know the video you're talking about. He's such an ugly crier, too. It's hard to watch just from like the face he makes. He's like, Ugh. is that that's the video of him getting drafted? No, it's the, it's like the NFL documentary when they're like when he gets oh. drafted. Like here's the here's the twenty quarterbacks drafted in front of me. I had them tattooed on the inside of my eyelids so I can go to sleep every night thinking about what. Giovanni Carminzi is well, up there. You know what, though? I wish, I wish, I wish I had his fucking sense of vengeance. Are you kidding me? 20 years in the league. Look, I hate the motherfucker, too, from a fan standpoint. He's beaten my teams multiple times. I can't stand the guy. But from an objective standpoint, arguably one of the greatest stories in the history of sports. The eviler he gets the more you relate to him. Well, it's not only that, but he, you know, I mean, first of all, do we have to do some groundwork so the people listening even know who the fuck I am? They don't even know my name. You're well, right. You're right. Who honestly, no, you are right. Who gives a fuck is correct. I, did, I, I was like, before I brought you on, I like, I record a little intro for you. I'm like, go check him out on uh, Instagram. And then I'm like, you don't have any posts anymore. And yeah, I deleted them. Do you want to know why? Well, let me finish my thing. Okay. I, you, you deleted your post. It's a private page. And if they, it's if not you, private. Oh, it's oh, so people can see your stories. They can see my stories. I they like can to see, video they can tweet. Your, they can see your meat puppet. Thanks, the dinner oh. that you had two days ago. First of all, that was a goose, and it was amazing. <sighs> Lucas, I can only see you dancing with meat puppets on Instagram. For wasn't me. That wasn't me moving that. That was my roommate's hands. You think I have fat white hands? Fuck you. I heard your voice. Yes, but it was see. That's the magic of movies. My audio to a sound, to visuals, your brain puts them together, synthesizing a dramaturgical coincidence. The point was, I'm worried about you. That was what? you're worried about me. You're dancing. You're dancing dead birds on Instagram. Yes, because my career is in shambles, and it's been a really tough month. <laughs> Let me put it this way: Don't say anything. Just okay. all you need to know is this. What did you just? Uh, oh no! It's been a tough. I mean, it's over now. This was like two weeks ago, but like for two weeks, I thought it was kaputs. So like you know, I didn't real. I didn't realize that it's nobody's fucking business. Or, so we shouldn't say it. All. You people are gonna put this together, by the way. Yeah, I I tested positive for HIV. <laughs> 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 oh my god <laughs> I'm, wait a second i'm so excited for this because i now want this this to be the thing that destroys my possible career five years from now let's go full throttle so, i was test yes you got COVID. and i got it a month ago did you get it with um you had and you had the whatever the symptoms and stuff. I had a headache. 
that's the only symptom I had a headache and a fever. And then three weeks went by. You just keep naming stuff. And also, I, so I had a headache, I had a fever, <laughs> my nose fell off. My left ball went into my right ball. So now I have a really And I died. Ball. I'm a ghost. And also, I am the ghost of Christmas past. Um, I'm here. I'm actually here to, sh- I'm, and I'm late. I'm, since I'm a black ghost, I came late. So I was supposed to, I was supposed to tell you about your past couple of days. We're here in time for New Year's. Completely yeah. blew it. So now I'm like a New Year's ghost and the, the, I'm in trouble. The ghost council is like, you can't be a ghost anymore, bro. You blew it on your first go. And, and guess what happened? They're making me a backup ghost. Yeah, the boogeyman is in front of me, and it's just like he's not really helping me out with my career. He's not doing a, he's not being a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Do you ever see him on the sideline actually like helping that? What's his name? He's Tua. uh, Tua. He, Uh, I think that's commendable. Of course it is. He's the best backup quarterback you could have on your team because he's, he's genuinely excited Mm -hmm. for the kid to play well. And that's the sign of somebody who's like, he gets the NFL too. He's like, he'll play there for 14 years, right? He's been in the game. So it's the difference between him and what Carson Wentz did when he got benched and he's bitching about Jay. Yo, Carson Wentz. I don't, you gotta, you gotta fill me in on what the Eagles fans think of that dude, because my goodness, isn't it time to get rid of that fucker? Yes. He didn't, first of all, he didn't bring you the gold and he's being a bitch in reaction to the guy that they think might be a, another guy that can bring them the gold. I just don't get it. I don't see it. I don't like it. You got, he's, he, that's that his attitude is almost James Harden level where you're just like, this is not the way to play this bro. No. It, and it's weird too. Like the team fucked up by babying him. Like after, after Foles won the Super Bowl, the team should have been like, it's Nick Foles, team. Agreed. Carson is the backup. And what would have happened is if Car- if the team and Carson were smart, they would have been like, well, Nick Foles kind of sucks. He's going to start playing like shit, and uh, or he'll get injured. And then Carson Wentz gets to come in and be the hero the next season. Wow. Instead, they were like, no, it's Carson's team. And he was still injured for the first three games of 2018, whatever it was after the Super Bowl. So Nick Foles played like all right for three games, and then Carson came right in week four. So mm-hmm. he was healthy. They should have been like, it's Nick Foles' team. Nick Foles goes eight games three and five. And they're like, you know what? We have to bring in Carson. Now Nick Foles just isn't doing it. And then Carson comes in and gets to do that play. Mr. I'm a hero, but yeah, instead, yeah. they, they made him like an entitled bitch. And then the team didn't rally around him. And, and that's, and that's really what you see is like, it's some, it's something that like a lot of people who don't like, I don't play football, but I listen to football players talk about playing football. Nerds who never play football, who think they're the smartest guy in the room go, Oh, well, we traded for him and he's younger and he's got this. And it's like, nobody gives a shit. Some people make you want to run through a wall for him and some people don't. Nick Foles made that group of guys want to run through a wall. You want to, if they're running through the wall because they think Nick Foles sucks and they got to play better, it doesn't matter. It's magic. You, You can't intellectualize it. Like the team plays well when this dude's the quarterback, this dude's the quarterback, period. It is that simple. There is no money balling leadership. There's you, you, you cannot money ball that quality where someone's like, Oh my God, I will. I, like you said, I will follow you anywhere because you just, the way you say things, also the way you look, the way you smell, 
the the size of your cock in the locker room, how it just dangles so beautifully like a weeping cock willow. Size, cock size cannot be underrated. Your cock in the NFL has to be big enough to be amazing, but not so big that it's intimidating, which I think for the first couple of years of black quarterbacks is why they probably didn't do so well because the team was just like, ah, this dude's dick is swinging. Like, I'm, whole, I'm nervous. The whole offensive line is white. So if, if you're coming in like just huge – Guys aren't going to feel as good. So you want like oh, a big end or but reasonable who's, cock, I would say. Whose internet is cracking? Hi. This is the host of the podcast, Eric Helwick, reminding you and me to breathe. It appears that for the second time in three remote episodes, the internet has gone out, interrupting my guest and making the quality of the podcast shittier. I could lose my mind right now, but why do that when I can just breathe? In and out. There's no need to focus on the fact that my first podcast in 2021 is going to sound like shit. I didn't need to, but I haven't had the internet that I need. But that's all in the past. We're going to go back to the interview with Lucas now and... I'm sure it'll come in at a cool time. It'll feel like it was never interrupted at all. It fucking better. Just breathe. And that's why I believe that if you look at the history of... Cut. Dude, the stop. NFL, stop, it is stop. this amazing Lucas, don't dramaturgical, Lucas. dramaturgic. Yeah. So here's what I did with Gary's interview, which you got very mad that I interviewed him before you. Well, he doesn't fucking know anything about football. He knows a decent amount. He's a Jets fan. He was like, wait, uh, wait pause. Say that again. Say that again. The this okay. Well, listen, front runner. The success of your team does not mean you're less of a fan. If, if your team sucks, you can still be a bigger fan than just because you like the team that Joe Montana played for when you were 12. First of all, sorry, I, I was that off my chest. First of all, I don't know how old, again, your math is terrible. When I was 12 years old, Steve Young was already almost on the outs of being that he had just won a Super Bowl, just got the monkey off his back. So fuck you. I was like five years off. Yeah, you were. Okay. Well, that's still not that bad. I'm sorry that I was – first of all, I don't apologize that my mom was born – well, she was born in New York. I don't apologize that she ran away from home, <laughs> went to the Bay Area, and had me in an area that just happened to have a good football Okay, team. well, let's, let's, do, let's do the front runner test right now. What's your favorite football team? Of all time? or right. What's your favorite football team? I mean, my hometown team is the 49ers. Okay, what's your favorite basketball team? 
Well, that's where it gets a little more complicated because technically my my hometown team is the Sacramento Kings. My dad, because he's from L.A., raised me as a Lakers fan. But, of course, I hate the Lakers whenever they play the Kings, particularly 2002. Thank you for bringing up those old Robert Ory wounds. I currently, last last season in the bubble, I was rooting for the Heat, and I personally motivated them all the way to the finals. But even then, I couldn't get them over the hump. Right now, I'm digging on Brooklyn, but they just lost to the Hornets. That ages our episode of when this was recorded. But there you go. So there. Wow. Did I pass your faggoty frontrunner test? No. Oh, shit, no. I failed it miserably. <laughs> no, you're from Sacramento. Yes. The answer should be the Kings. Which it was. My hometown team is the Kings. Next. That's not your favorite team. That's why, is, why, team. Is, why is Gary's favorite team the Jets and not the Giants? What a why are we gonna, are we gonna, how, how long on your podcast episode are we going to complain about Gary Denoya? Give me someone else to complain about. I'll spread the wealth. I don't no, give you were a mad, you were, No, you were mad because I asked you to do the podcast very early on, and I was I had the audacity to invite you to my home. The circumstances record. of recording that podcast were not doable. First of all, I said I would totally do it if we did it through some sort of Zoom setup like we are right now. Big, you know how to do. At well, the that's time. on you. I'm it's glad that you no, educated no, no, yourself. I explained that to you, and you got pissed at me. And then every time I interview, like Gary's interview comes up, you're like texting me shitty things about Gary. That's uh-uh, what happened. No, no, that is a goddamn lie. I did not, not text you lie. shitty it's things about Gary. I texted you shitty things about the situation. Don't which try included, to- Which included Gary. All right, fuck it. Bring up the text. What did I say? I don't even remember. What did I say? I'm not going to read your text, dude. Uh, because because there aren't any to be read. No, no, because here you're gonna you're gonna deny that you weren't. How can lo- I deny if you show me a text? I will not deny that I was pissed about it because I'm a jealous cunt. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and act like I said something about him. I don't think you said anything about him, but you thank were just, you. You were upset thank that you. he was on the show before you. I completely cop to that. No, as the blacks are saying, no cap. No lie there. That means no lie, you honky devil. <laughs> Literally, when I said the black hey, let me, no let me cap. my father's war painting for understanding. Yeah. Hello, Eric. I'm Colonel Schmiggles. I, I'm the ghost no, of. Oh, we're just not. We're just gonna bulldoze over my bit. Fine. As bad as I'm gonna be at understanding your your blackisms, you're, uh, you call coming up with Colonel Smiggins as the best example of a of a Union general. I'm sorry, he's a colonel, colonel not a general, asshole. He's a colonel. colonel. Yes, Colonel Schmiggins. He died in battle because a horse stepped on his nuts and his ball bag exploded, and it gave away the <laughs> it gave away the positioning. That's that's how that's why Gettysburg lasted three days instead. Exactly. Fucking colonel. Oh man, I'm really down in these seltzer waters. I mean, if you if anyone listening to this train wreck of an episode because would know if they could see you, it looks like you're you're slamming a beer, but you're not. You're drinking bubbled water. Yeah, I did a uh, did a Zoom call with my college buddies who are all uh, like cops and firefighters and people like that, mm-hmm. and they saw the uh, I was drinking White Claws. They made fun of me for twenty minutes. Then I brought up celiac. Then they got real sad, mm-hmm. and then as we got drunker, they confided that I had the saddest disease they could even think of. The saddest or the lamest? They weren't framing it as lame. They were framing it as sad. Like It seemed like it was really bumming them out when I started to explain 
what the difference between celiac and like I'm trying not to eat bread. Oh yeah, of course. You have a gastroenterological inflammation problem, which is horrifying. Yeah, it gives you like stomach cancer. Celiac. Yeah, it's a serious problem. It's not just like I'm look I'm trying to not have bread-based calories. It's like, oh no, if I eat this, my body can't process it properly and it could hurt me. Yeah, exactly. I still don't think that's sadder than, you know, a respiratory illness that deteriorizes your lung capacity and and gets into your bloodstream and causes strokes and blood clots that kill you within an hour. <laughs> hey, Eric, it's so good to see you. It's been so long. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't know that you were. Uh, no, you no, were no we're not. Talk, we're not talking about that. We're moving on. We're moving on. There's no need to. Fair enough. It's not that big a deal. Oh, it's not that. You brought it up. You can't get that mad at me for expressing sympathy for you. Like, I didn't even know you had it. So if you don't want me to know, you shouldn't have told me. What a way to blame the victim. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry that you told me you got raped. Maybe <laughs> you should have kept that shit to yourself, you dumb, dirty slut fuck. Yeah, that's really the same thing as what I just I did. the same express sorrow for you i feel like if i submitted my life to the oscars they'd give me an oscar because it's the exact same story as jodie foster and the accused <laughs> why did you become jfk at the end of that <laughs> because Jody foster and the accused here's a lesson for any uh fledgling comedians listening to this podcast if you find yourself in the middle of a joke that is bombing slowly slide into a funny voice and at least the plane will softly land. That's Everyone will be angry. They'll be angry because it was turbulent and their drinks fell all over the place and their luggage got ruined. But at least they didn't die. No joke can bomb completely if you slide into a funny voice. Take it from me, the guy who nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Considering 35 to 90% of my audience is other shitty podcasters, I think – Hey, I'll say that. That's not nice. Don't shit on your audience. My audience, they are very much in the practice of getting shit on by me. I feel like your audience is among the smartest, most uh, discriminating in the positive way. Like they know what's bullshit and they know it's good. And I'm actually very excited that despite the rather paltry numbers of people who will listen to this, the people that are listening to this are incredibly smart and have amazingly discriminating tastes. This podcast is already in the top uh, 50% of podcasts. Actually, it's probably in the top 55% right now or 45%. Are you being – is that a joke or are you being serious? No, no, no. You can look at the numbers and look at what the average podcast gets per download okay. every month and see where you're at. And that's, it's I, I got above 50% of podcasts like four episodes ago. Okay, that's a start. You're building a community, it's and that's a, amazing. It, it's a start, yeah. But like I said, I want to build a community that's okay with me poking fun at them. Like, I like I really don't want a sensitive person to listen to more well, than one episode. That's how you build a community, because if you're taking the time to make fun of someone only to invite them back to do it again, that's how you do a community. I mean, let's be honest. There are so many – here's what you need to do. What you need to do is have sex, preferably gay sex, with one of the many writers at like Vulture or Time Out or any of that. Because, boy, if you suck one of their dicks, they will post as if your podcast is revolutionary. Not shitting on the podcasts that made it into those uh, publications this year or last, but all I'm saying is 
come on. I used to write for both a comedy blog and I did pieces for Time Out New York. I know that it is not exactly the most discriminating of tastes. You kind of just choose your friends and you write about them. You know how I know that? Because that's what I did. Um, Are we going to talk about Steve Bono? I feel like I need to let you exercise some of these demons first. You know, here's the thing. I was banking on you becoming more successful than me and you being able to help me out in a couple of years. But it seems like this podcast is going to be the the gravy train we both got to get going. You know that you – I've said this to you for the – I don't even know how long it's been. 10, 12 years I've known you. And it's no bullshit because you. this is in your history. You have a bona fide radio presence. You've been on radio before when you were in college. You're going to kill it in the podcasting game at some point. It just It's, it's beyond your control what the audiences do. They, they have to fig- find you. But you – I've said this as long as I've known you. You have a commanding vocal presence when it comes to these kind of, of platforms. I have a nasally annoying meandering sensibility. I can't be a host of a show like this. I can only be your once in a while meandering guest that everyone's like, just like on the Tonight Show where you see a comic comedian come on. They're like, and tonight, uh, Lucas Hazlitt's going to tell us about this. And you see me and you go, okay, fans of mine want to see me do what I'm doing now. The majority of Americans are like, who, what, why? And they use that as their bathroom break. And I'm just going to be like, well, it paid for my infinity pool. I've lost all hope in terms of like the real gets. It's I see who wins. It's the game's over, my friend. Again, I feel like a backup quarterback. I feel in my gut like I. <laughs> look, we can talk about Steve. Hey, how about this? You, <laughs> I'm ready. I've got the transition ready for you, man. But like, you keep blowing past the signal. <laughs> like, like you wait, really wait. Have some stuff wait, wait. off your chest. Wait, 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 wait. Look. I'll just record the word Steve Bono, and you can layer that in wherever you feel like it's, <laughs> it's So that it's just me going on and on. Steve Bono, man, big dick. Steve Bono, Civil War Colonel. Like, the like Eric, you, you have to go to Vulture and suck somebody's dick, Steve Bono. And then you're going to know that these motherfuckers are just putting their friend, Steve Bono. Into the, look, I, look let, let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about Steve Bono. I think we should just dive right in and stop fucking around, Eric. Get your show together. You know what? Honestly, Lucas, a lot of the people that uh, (laughs) like my podcast are people that know me from New York. They know you as somebody that we did comedy together. Yeah. If I put this out to my newsletter and those people, I bet this would be- You have a newsletter? It's like that? Really? I have a thousand people on my newsletter, motherfucker. That's pretty good. It's a pretty goddamn decent newsletter. The point is, I got a newsletter. I bet this episode will do really well just by virtue of that. I think what we should, we should talk about is that the year following Steve Young's redemptive Super Bowl win, where he finally got the monkey off his back after all those years of being a backup to uh, Joe Montana, the following year, Steve Bono went 13-3 and as the fucking starting quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, only to lose in the playoffs to Jim Harbaugh and the Indianapolis Colts in one of the Worst, most pathetic field goal kicks of all time. You know he threw three picks. Okay, did you, I didn't, did you I didn't see that. He got benched in the third quarter. Did he really? Yeah, he played like crap in that game. Oh well, Watch there it is. Well, fuck him. Yeah, so, so he can't bl- he can't blame it totally on the kicker. He he played okay. like garbage. That's and the fair. Colts, I think the Colts just had one of those like 
holy shit, we're playing out of our mind games. I mean, the real thing about the real thing about Steve Bono is that like he had extended success every time he played. Like yes. when he came in for Steve Young in ninety one and won five out of five. Six. Yep. Yeah, and like had good numbers. Like you look up the games, like he played well. Now obviously he's got like a fucking super team on with him, but like speaking of which, no, say who he has, who's his receiver? Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. How fucking dare Randy Moss suggest oh, that yeah, Jerry yeah, Rice yeah, is the third or fourth best? Fuck you, you fucking idiot. Jerry Rice is the not only the greatest wide receiver in the history of football, up until Tom Brady, I think he was the best football player of all time. So Randy Moss is out of his fucking mind. You know who doesn't get included in greatest football player of all time who might deserve more consideration? Can you tell me what position he played? Cornerback. Cornerback? Cornerback. It's not is it gonna be Deion Sanders? Deion Sanders. You're goddamn right it's Deion Sanders, 1994-95 Super Bowl champion 49ers, baby. <laughs> Deion Sanders might be the best football player ever. He might be the most talented football player ever. Dude, when he when he was in his prime, it just completely shut off half of I mean, literally, Deion Sanders would get mad at you for suggesting that he ever was not in his prime. That oh, dude yeah. was prime time. Must no, be the money. money. Didn't, he play, didn't, he play on, uh, didn't he play in Washington at the end? Like when they got when they signed all the old guys and he said, Oh yeah. Well, he I mean, definitely yeah. had sucky years. He was still fast. Everybody goes everybody goes to DC, by the way, to to suck at the end. You remember Jordan on the Wizards? Oh my God. First of all, I am so tired of the the um narrative that Jordan sucked on the Washington Wizards. He actually uh, was putting up good numbers. He was putting up good numbers. They weren't they weren't anything related to his Bulls years. He was, not putting up good Jordan, numbers. He, was the only, he was the only guy that could shoot on the team. So he had like a crazy usage rate. He was not putting up good numbers and the team was horrible. The team was, was horrible. The team was horrible. The part of the reason they were horrible is because all the players are like, I guess give the ball to Michael Jordan. And he couldn't do anything other than a turn. Dude, I was I I lived in DC. I remember watching games where he was like bricking dunks. It was like it oh was. Oh my god! I so was at I when my freshman year of college, I went to the my roommate got Knicks tickets because his stepfather worked for Chase Bank of Manhattan, and so we got great seats. I was at the game when he made his first return to Madison Square Garden, and he muffed that dunk i have never heard twenty thousand people go silent so fast it was we were shocked michael jordan in 2002 2003 played all 82 games he scored 20 points a game he was only behind jerry stackhouse 21.5 points a game you have to be reading that off of something yeah, I'm reading it off Wikipedia. I don't know. I thought maybe you just had it seared into your mind. Well, I will say this. I have read many a time how many 82-game seasons Michael Jordan had, and I'm sorry. Michael Jordan will always be the GOAT. LeBron has nothing compared to him. Nothing. By the way, LeBron, you had the opportunity to win in Game 5, and you passed it to Danny Green. 
for a fucking clangity goo. Fuck you, LeBron. You fucking loser. Fucking had three loser heat fit fucking players on you. You could have risen up and just hit the fucking 10-foot jumper, and you passed it because you will never be the guy who can accept being the loser. You always need someone else to take the fall for you. You'll always accept the win. You'll never accept the loss, and that's why Jordan is the greatest of all time because he had no fear. Well, it looks like we're getting a call. I got LeBron on the other line here. Oh, great. How's it going, LeBron? Congratulations on the biggest asterisk championship of all time. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you Man. holding your COVID thermometer <laughs> to make points? I need <laughs> to point at you with something. It at me. Dude, Would you rather I point my uh, platinum Astroglide move? <laughs> if you think you're going to gross me out, dude, you used to be my roommate and you left a, a stick on the wall dildo in the bathroom. First of all, I'm not trying to gross you out. I'm just saying. And yes, you saw my fucking floppy seven inch dildo cock that I left. Uh, what's it called? Uh, suctioned. Suctioned onto the. I mean, you should have seen what I was doing with it. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> I don't think you can. I'm sure you know where it was going, but I don't think you know who I thought was fucking me. Oh my! God. I created a scenario where I I made it so that I created a quant in my head, a quantum device, so that you could stick your cock into this quantum device, and it. <laughs> Steve Bono, what a backup. <laughs> you miss me. First of all, here's what I honest. I haven't listened to enough of your episodes to know. What the fuck do you guys talk about that actually allows you to get 60 minutes wrung out of the sponge, the empty, dry sponge that is a backup quarterback? So usually I'm not talking with the guest that long. Like it's the, the guest I talk to for 20 or 30 minutes and I'm doing 30 minutes by myself up top. Oh, so I'm far and away exceeding the expectations of the. Uh, I'll probably put this whole thing down to seven minutes. That's I mean, really not very, fair. very little usable. Not uh, fair. Steve Bono, Steve Bono, Steve Bono, Steve Bono, Steve Bono. Steve Bono picturing an imaginary cock to come in and phantom fuck me in the shower. Steve Bono, Steve Bono. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what this episode boils down to. Steve Bono. <laughs> you know, he is. We, we tried to transfer into Steve Bono like 35 times. I think the thing that needs to get said about this man is he was a backup quarterback on your favorite team. Yes. He, One of many teams, though. What do you mean? He was a backup for a lot of teams. Yeah, but, like, he had two prominent. Teams. Yes. He was decent on the Niners. Right in that, right in the sweet zone of me being of age to really appreciate what the Niners were. Because you got to also, just for context for the fans, I, I say I'm a Niners fan. Don't think I was, like, watching the catch. I wasn't born yet. Uh, don't think I was, uh, you know, a fucking sports, uh, a, a sports aware five year old who was like, wow, they really kicked the Broncos ass. I, I wasn't old enough to really appreciate them. It really wasn't until they defeated the Cowboys in 94, 95 that I really was even aware that the Niners were a decent team. I was like 11 going on 12 yeah, yeah. at the time. So that's so that is the moment because it's all been downhill since that was their last Super Bowl win. I'm this. I'm the same way with the Eagles. Like I, I know my because I, I was in like Germany and South. Korea. I was all over the country when I was a little kid. But the first game I remember watching as an Eagles fan was I think it was in the '96 playoffs against the Lions with Ray Rhodes as the coach and Rodney oh, Pete as the quarterback. Rodney Pete, fucking what? Holly Robinson's wife, a husband. Yeah, it, you know he's she was wearing the pants. She, she, she wore the pants. 
When yeah. you're on head head of the class, you wear the pants. That was her, right? Or no, that was Robin Givens. I don't remember. Robin. She was on Twenty One. She was on Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, but wasn't she also in like a sitcom? What was the sitcom she, she was, was on? Um, Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. All right. That was white guy nervous. Am I quoting the wrong mostly black TV show? Pause that I gave there. Is Mr. Cooper do family guys, nerd? Do you guys do on your podcast? Do you do any like questions? To like just prompt some sort of a conversation from me to get me on track because now we're talking about Mr. Cooper because I no, might have about, no, adult, about, I might have adult onset OCD or I mean ADHD. I, I, I have it too. The uh, the thing we were talking about was like what age does the team mm-hmm. take hold for people? I don't think it takes hold for most people when they're that young. Like I have friends here like in DC who I guess could remember the Redskins winning in '90 or whenever they beat the '91. Oh, the Dolphins? No. Yeah, the Redskins won. They like, beat no. the Bills in 91. Yeah. Um, with Thigpen? No. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Rippin. Um, which was, by the way, the same year Steve that Bono, Steve five Bono five, five, won five games. Yeah. We clearly memorized the same couple paragraphs of uh, Look, hey, don't fucking it. tell them how the hot dog sausage is made, bro. <laughs> no, dude. They know that I'm just reading the Wikipedia page in the beginning and kind of loosely memorizing stuff. I'm not reading. I did my research earlier today when you texted me. I looked up Steve Bono just to confirm because it was deep in the subconscious in the memory banks. I had to open up that Inception vault 10 years ago. You and me saw Inception in the movie theater in July in Harlem. 10 oh, yeah, years later, Tenant. Okay. You got to go see it. It's not great, but it's good enough. What? How, how is that a recommendation for a movie? Well, within the world of Christopher Nolan, I'm judging it. Did you watch The Mandalorian at all? The fucking Mandalorian. Are you real? Do you watch that show? I like it. Okay. Do you like video games that should be video games instead of basically The Mandalorian is all the cut cut movies, whatever they're called the 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 cut scenes in a video game when you when it cuts to the movie, they just there's no video game. Have you Every episode of that fucking show? Is this? You gotta go here and get this, and then you'll get this in return. And yeah, oh, it's no, a, a big monster, and then the the baby does a thing, and you're like, "What are you the most?" Dude, it's a sitcom like any other. It's it's just a western style, which is like the hero goes to a new town every episode, and sometimes characters come back, but it's 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 formulaic. Like everybody knows it's formulaic. Blah. That doesn't mean like you couldn't watch a show like New Girl or The Office, which has tropes within the way they build it, and still enjoy it. Yes, but I'll say this. In, I fucked the new girl, never watched it. In defense of The Office, which I, by the way, no bullshit, literally as of Christmas, just binged all nine seasons in a Ooh, week. For, first time? First time going through. I'd seen some scattered episodes just because of syndication. First time going through, cried so much. And controversy, Ed Helms, way better, Steve Carell. Steve Carell's Michael Scott is the most annoying this fucking the character I've ever, I've ever I heard you have. Hate, this I is, hate, this is a dumb I couldn't take. stand him at all in it's that. Worse than you. My point was, this is the worst thing you've said on the podcast. Steve Carell's performance in The Office, which never won an Emmy, by the way, because didn't it deserve it. He's <sighs> annoying. This is. The character is annoying. No, 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 no. Hang on. Let me finish my thought. You've fine. You've said your piece. Ed Helms. Aren't I the, aren't I the guest? Shut up. You said Ed Helms is a better boss than Michael. That's not what I said. You've misrepresented me. I said a sentence or less because you don't go on a big thing. I want to retort. Great. I 
preferred when Ed Helms was the main comedic character over Michael Scott. I did not – I could, and also, I again, I have to bring race into it. Michael Scott was so incompetent, he should have been fired so many fucking times. And it actually doesn't make sense that he wasn't fired. Whereas Ed Helms, for the most part, his character, Andrew Bernard, Andy, was a competent manager, but just a moron as a person and an emotional child. Michael Scott sucked at everything except for that one episode, that one episode where he gets the sale because he gets fucking Tim Meadows drunk and talks about, I'm a paper salesman and paper means something. No, Fuck that. No, no. Oh, God, I hated him in that first, show. First off, him. first off, it's the uh, – Michael Scott is competent in many episodes. The reason he gets the promotion is he's over-promoted because he's the best salesman in the company, which you – he was the best salesman in the yes, company. Yes, you're right. Before, but before the show starts, they establish that he's a very good salesman. That's the difference from him and the Ricky Gervais yes, character. Which that's fair. No redeeming like reason why he's the manager other than like in Britain, they don't give a shit about work. So they're just like, he's the manager and they don't have to justify why somebody like that would well, even be. They did it. make him redundant after two seasons. Who, like Steve literally, no, no, no. In the in the you now you need to learn some British words. After two seasons of the British Office, the head company made his job redundant. That's what we call they laid they laid him off. They made him redundant because they saw you're pointless. We don't need you. They don't need Michael Scott to run the fucking office. Well, that's, well, that's true. But to say he's to say that you enjoy, I, mean, I guess it's look, it's subjective. You can enjoy whatever you want. Clearly, to me, the most compelling seasons of The Office, just on a general, like, when are the coolest things happening in the show? When is the most tension between characters? It's obviously the first five seasons where Jim and Pam are, will they, won't they? Michael Scott, they change from the first season to the second season where he becomes more uh, dumb. Yeah, dumb. Yeah, sure. They gave him the Homer Simpson treatment. And as you can tell in the later seasons of Homer Simpson from seasons 12 on, he's too dumb. They also give him redeeming moments. They also make they make a point to show how lonely he is, how much he craves people's attention. They show how vulnerable he is in those moments. That is a change from the first season and from what they did in the British office that makes the Michael character arc of you know that character when he gets together with Holly before he leaves whatever season that hey, is. That's seven. fantastic. There's no doubt about it. Person. When that door opens and the entire office has candles in their hand in a gauntlet, and he goes through the whole gauntlet and is just like, "Why are you shaking your head? I'm agreeing with you, Dick." No, I know, but you're. I I wish you just felt that the whole way, but you can feel what I didn't mean. feel it the whole way because it didn't feel earned until that moment. His his proposal to Holly is one of the absolute greatest moments in TV history, particularly because right when he's about to pop the question, the fucking sprinklers come on and ruin everything. But you realize it just adds to the moment that I'll give you because those moments work for me. The moment, the the best Michael here, the best, the the best Michael Scott moment of all is real early on during the, 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 uh, uh, the Dundies, the award show at the, at the Chili's. That's Michael Scott at his best, where you realize he's just overzealous about wanting to be thought of as a fun, cool boss. It just goes too far. Seasons three, four, five, and six, I just think they take it too far. When Andy comes in, he's not – he doesn't really give a shit about the office like that. He just wants to be good at his job, but he's an idiot, and he sucks. But he's a more compelling character to me. He, I just enjoyed Ed Helms more than I enjoyed 
uh, Steve Carell. I thought Steve Carell was so annoying. In other words, I'm saying I prefer the backup to the starting quarterback of the office. See how I do? I be, I be, I had this all planned that I'm bringing I Andy hope, Bernard. <laughs> I hope you did not have that plan. I had it that would be, all planned. That would, be, I would not go. speak well to you if that was planned the whole way. Nothing speaks well to me. That's why I don't even have 1,400 followers on Instagram. Why did you delete your posts? You, I was, I've. I deleted. I deleted all of my posts because I saw a post on Instagram that made me realize how unbelievably false not only the gram is, but the people who comment on people's pictures and whatnot. How it's this. It's this complete. It, do you remember the movie um, Ready Player One? I never saw that movie. Are you familiar? Okay, then I'll use the. I'm, main fami- I'm familiar with okay. the story. The Instagram is like the oasis where it's a place that everyone goes to pretend that their life is funny, that their life is fantastic. And I saw someone post a picture of themselves uh, that everyone was like doing the whole, the like the comment stream of like, you know, y- you know, where they ca- you call each other like King, you know, that whole queer shit of like calling someone like you're my King Girl, king, queen, girl, king, all that fucking faggy shit that I can't stand. I'm a homosexual, by the way, and I find that shit to be irredeemably faggy. And it's so fucking empty and stupid. And I just got fed up because how can a person who looks at how empty and venal and vacuous and craven and callow and shallow people behave on that and yet – I don't have a following. So how big a loser am I that I can't even navigate this fucking game to figure out how to get a following and be of any importance to anybody? And so I was just like, "What? who are you kidding? Don't have posts because no one gives a fuck. You're the only one that obsesses over this shit of who's liking it, who's not liking it. That's lame. I'm a loser, so the only thing I could do to gain any power was to completely delete my entire presence on it so that future versions of people who are like, well, let me check his uh, social media to see if he's someone that we should invest time in. You're going to go and go, oh, there's no presence here, meaning that is how I'm going to game the system, by, by making it look like I've made a conscientious choice to never participate. That's how I'm covering my tracks of not being successful on Instagram. And then you're confessing it on a podcast. So if people really want to find out the truth, well, is, whatever, this is what go I go ahead, go like, ahead, look it up. The opposite of what you're describing on Instagram. So if people had honest Instagram accounts, I feel like that's something we tell ourselves we would like more. And after a week, we'd be even more disgusted with it than the phony shit. I disagree. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Like, there are examples of it. Like I have comic friends who just post like photos of like their belly from the perspective of like their dick being like time to jerk off again. Like I have people who do that on Instagram and the look you're making on your face right now is exactly the look that I have where I'm like, you know what? Just tell me what fucking comedy festival you got into. I agree. The shit. But, that, but that's not honest what they're doing. That's what they think is funny. That's not an honest post. Well, what's what's an on. But here's the thing. What's an honest representation of your life my on, life on anybody's life on social media look like well it depends who's the person i'm asking who's the person everyone's life is a different form of honesty like for instance you know who i really dig looking at on uh, instagram i love charlie pooth 
He's got 14 million followers. He's a superstar. And the majority of his posts, you know what they are? They're him in his music studio. And that's what he is. He's a fucking musician. It's him in his music studio being like, I just made this song. Or it's him being like, you know, I'm kind of depressed because I'm supposed to be working on my album. And I'm trapped in my my palace and I can't have friends over who I normally like to make music with. That's an honest thing that a superstar is doing. I love it. That's cool. What I – okay, let's say you're some hot fucking – gay influencer don't show me your don't show me you working out at the gym who gives a shit show me what you're actually doing what your day is like your day is not lifting weights in the gym with you know showing off your body you're only doing that because you're hot and you want to show off your body well if you're hot and you want to show off your body just fucking show me your cock and your balls. That's what I really want. I don't give a fuck about that I think this is my point, man, is like it's subjective and it's from person to person. I agree. Like, that's what happened when people used to shit on Dane Cook all the time, who I don't know if I would do comedy if I didn't listen to Dane Cook when I was 15 years old. Dane Cook's material back in those days was fucking awesome. I don't know why anyone hates on him. Well, I don't get it. I'll tell you why. And this Please. is something like I've listened to uh, – We've established now we both like Patrice O'Neill. I I've love Patrice O'Neill. I've listened to him defend uh, mm-hmm. Patrice O'Neill to other more self-important comics. Wait, say that again? To other more self-important you've, you've comics. Heard who, you've heard who do what? You've heard Patrice defend Dane. Yes. Okay. That's not, what you, that's not what you said the other time. You accidentally said you've heard him defend Patrice O'Neill to other comics. That's what you accidentally I'm sorry. said. No, no. I, the point is, is that Dane Cook isn't going to do deep – introspective it's not his brand um, because that's not it's not it's not mean that it's brand it's not him it's not him like he is a person who finds value in doing a thing on stage and then walking off and being a different person and he talks about that in interviews he's like yeah i don't i'm not the same person in my life that i am on stage i'm not trying to show people a raw truth like i'm trying to make people laugh and to right. me, that i gotta cut you off here's why I, i'm gonna say another controversial thing that's gonna burn a bridge ready um, I loved Dave Chappelle's last bit where he was ta- basically talking about boycott Chappelle show, right? You know that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, what I find so funny about that when I you, when I heard that the first time, I was right there with him. Yeah, truth to power, fuck the business. And then I took a moment and was like, um, remember that fifty million dollar contract? Isn't that you selling the rights to your show? That's why they paid you fifty million dollars <laughs> so they could have your licensing rights in perpetuity. That's what that's what that was. And then you you broke that contract, which was fine. You had the right to do that, and you had your real reasons. But that doesn't invalidate the perpetuity clause. Like, what do you? Come on, you, you know, can't complain about that. That's what you, you should have fired your lawyer. On a per, on a purely emotional level, I get it. Like I, when I was doing commercials in the beginning, I did like a couple non-union. Mm-hmm. Like VTech has my face if they ever want to use it forever because I did some bullshit two hundred dollar ad when I was twenty four. Mm-hmm. So like I get the frustration, but I'm also like, you didn't not get paid. It is a contract. You signed it. If you have a complaint about the way the contract was and like who the guy, who the guys were in the room, there's other guys not in that room. Like you could go find somebody else. So like it sucks. And I, which you did by the way, very successfully, you're, you fucking crushing it at Netflix and Netflix is hooking you up. Yeah. It's like it, you fucking signed the contract. The only reason I bring that up is to is to show that I think right now, every comic is, it seems like they're expected to be as deep as Dave Chappelle. Whereas Dane Cook is as deep as he needs to be. 
Yes. He, he found his topsoil, and this is where he plants his goodies, and they grow. And he was always good, and I don't understand why people made fun of him for it. And if you didn't like his comedy, guess what? Just don't watch his movies or listen to his comedy. Why is that so hard? Why is that so hard? If you don't like someone, just don't the, watch Ask the woke movement who would be the people that would say you can't do that. Like, Ladies and gentlemen, it is this is now the portion of the show <laughs> where Eric Helwig's inherent whiteness slithered about. What, we're, white people, we're white people throw around the word woke angrily. This knock is really just off. their way of saying <laughs> knock, <laughs> knock it off. Knock it off, nigger. Not one of us nigger business. Coming from the guy that used to quote Malcolm X me when you were late for improv practice. So don't act like you don't throw it around. How is that being woke? It's not being woke. What I'm saying is um, I'm, name name one quote I used that is even relevant to getting out of an improv practice. I I'll, think you're just I'll, I think you're I'll, making I'll, that up. Okay, here's a quote. I'm your boss at a certain studio. You're, okay. Yeah. But we ain't I, sick, boss. We ain't sick. This ain't my this is my you're, job. You're, here's the reason this is what happens on this show I'm realizing. You cut me off when I'm about to dunk on you with a fucking point. You, oh, you know, mean I'm blocking your shot? I'm just not letting you yeah, dunk exactly on me. What you do. You're, you're, you're blocking me your off. shot. Yeah, I'm like, we need to go clean the bathrooms. And you're like, that wee plantation mentality. I'm like, I'm your fucking boss. Go clean the bathroom. Why are you giving me shit for telling you to go do your job? You know how many times I had to beg to not fire you? Oh, fuck you. First of all, you should have. You should have. I should have let me. You should have fired me because you know how much money I was stealing from that place? Dude, I have to cut that. There's no way this is staying in. Why? It's not illegal. You can't. I'm sorry. You can't charge me with a crime. Or you you just almost say it's not illegal to steal money. It's not illegal to say you stole petty cash money from a business twenty something years ago. No, it's not. No, it's not illegal. But why would you do it? Why would you confess to it after the fact? This is like your conscience trying to exercise. Because I didn't think it was a crime at the time, and I don't give a shit about it now. And you know why I took twenty dollars out of petty cash back then? Because I. Your Honor, I, I it was a crime at the time. The amount of money, the amount of money that I was being paid at that job, that where you were my boss, was so fucking nothing that I needed twenty dollars to get a bite to fucking eat. Which, by the way, I made it back when I fucking overcharged people on purpose to fucking put money into the goddamn coffers. You don't know the shit I was pulling at that job. Oh my god! Could you know how many you... times I had sex at that place? Well, that's not. We all had sex there. That's not. Oh, isn't that a crime? I had to cry for the boss to be fucking some women in the office. No, I was living in that office for months. Exactly. And there were times I was living in that goddamn place too. I had a mouse run over my body while I was sleeping in the cold. There was that's the kind of shit that New York does. I don't give a fuck. It's New York City, man. You gotta steal petty cash to survive in that town. If you're making eight dollars a fucking hour at a job, where oh, oh, not to mention that time eighty fucking rappers came to the fucking venue and were stealing things and threatening me and my life. And I literally just was like, you know what? I don't care. I locked myself in the in your office and just was like, I'm just gonna wait this out. They could have whatever they want because I'm not getting shot because of this shit. Take that shit to I don't need that fucking bullshit. I had to uh, I had to chase a woman into the bathroom one time. Into the bathroom? Well, I was chasing her around the studio to get her to, like, leave. Oh. And she locked herself in the bathroom and then called somebody and was like, this white boy just chased me into the bathroom and now he's waiting for me. I could hear her on the phone. Like, she was trying to, like – Was this a black leave. woman? Yeah, it was like – you know, like, in the beginning, people would run those, like, model 
Um, they oh were yes, modeling and then have yeah, we were being scammed constantly by rap. It's so sad that it was mostly black people running the scams because I don't like that. I don't like having to admit that you know uh, there, is a, there is a criminal element to you know uh, that some people. But it's like the first group of clients that we had that were running schemes tended to be modeling fake modeling agencies, um, fake music bullshit. It was it was all of that. Music, fake yeah, music well, producers and fake modeling agencies. Sure. Well, I, well my, 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 inherent, oh, no. my inherent whiteness would say that it, to me it doesn't matter that they were black. And if the next guy that does it is white, I judge them as individuals that are doing something they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. That's my bullshit libertarian. Now I'm apparently Republican. I say woke with a weird thing. When you listen to my podcast, the first episode, you went like, oh, I can see you taking that red pill. I heard the way you say liberal two times in a row. Yeah, well, you're I, the I, one extrapolating. All I'm saying, Eric, and there's I'm not reading anything into it. There is a spectrum. And don't forget that we've shared a stage comedically with someone who is now a proud member of the Proud Boys. Not going to use names, and I wish you wouldn't. So the spectrum of comedy runs both sides. There are people who are super, super duper W-O-K-E woke progressives. And there's people who are super duper crazy fucking fascist uh, right wing conspiracy theory nuts. All I'm saying is, given on both sides. all I'm saying is, given given there is definitely fascism on both sides. If you're using the word etymologically, all I'm saying is that given your race, which is white, you're a white man, and you're straight, there is a despite your best attempts. What? Oh my God! Ew! No! <laughs> not no! Be real! No! No! Be real! No! How many conversations did you have with me being like, Eric, if you ever are gay, I call first. That was a real conversation for many years. I know, but I hate to burst your bubble, but that is a conversation I've had with hundreds of white men because it's so – it makes them so uncomfortable to hear that because they're like, uh, uh. Anyway, first of all, I did once grab your cock during a show and you kicked me in the face. So I that's street justice, baby. All I'm saying is I feel I feel I feel nothing but empathy towards a person who every once in a while I can't imagine you don't feel like you are against the gun every once in a while because in our culture Right now, being a straight white man feels a little uncomfortable, and you're always being blamed for things. All I'm saying is there's a tinge, a seed that if watered in the right way, you say woke with a little eh, little oomph to it. Yeah, it's a little oomph. Well, this is is what I would say. I don't feel any – I get what you're saying about the uncomfortableness that a lot of people feel. I really don't. I feel like that's like a lot of white dudes, a lot of white liberals are like their favorite thing is to feel bad about some shit they didn't do. I have shit that I feel bad in my life about that I've done. Like what? People. Like what? I talked about it on this podcast. I, I worked for a timeshare company for a year before I moved to New York. Okay. And you can roll your eyes at that, but that's a legitimately fucked up industry. I know it is, but were you most, what would you say your, the majority of your clientele was? Weren't you fucking over mostly white people? No, it's it, really it's any it's anybody that walked through Walmart and you would approach it differently based on who was coming through the door. Mm-hmm. And I actually got along very well with black women. Mm-hmm. So they were because uh, you're, you're, you're a handsome white boy who is not sexually non-threatening. So they were like, oh, OK, what you got to say? Sexually non-threatening. Yeah, well, yeah. When you were 22, 23, you did not yeah, look I, like a rapist. 
No, I was a I was a a, a young nubile white boy hanging yes. outside of Walmart, being like, "What's up, girl?" And I would just walk up to black women, and they were the easiest. Because honestly, like, oh, white oh, black women, get your pitchforks ready. He just called y'all easy. <laughs> white, white. And women. for the record, did you hear that sassy voice he went into? <laughs> that's, I, that's how I spoke. What's up, girl? Yeah, so that's what you do. It's it's you you. What's the um the term I've heard people use? Uh, code switch code switch you do that with like you talk differently to different people based on who's coming out of the door and yeah like i would get the the worst was like middle-aged white women they just don't like being bothered. they would just be like hand like literally like hand up to you mm. this they're the worst if, and if i can I felt- say that because we both come from white women we both came we so i i can speak to that yeah but the truth is is black women are always easier to talk to and Talking to people was how I got people into mm-hmm. these tours. So I sent a lot of black women into tours. And I and I, I think back on it now and I go, I wasn't sending pe- – I mean some people were aware of what they were doing. I wasn't like lying to them about – You said you sending them into what? So that was the job. Is like Tours? The 90-minute tour. Of what? Share. It's, where, it's where they pressure sales you into buying oh. some fucking week in Colonial Williamsburg. Yeah. I was, like, I was like sending people to that. You were sending black people to Colonial not Williamsburg. Just, not just black people. So you were a slave trader. It'll be worse when I tell you the name of the place. I can't wait. I'm not, I can't, no, no. I can't I, say Give me a hint. Give me a hint. Did it have the term pla- – did it have the word plantation in it? it? Of course it did. Of course it did. Of course it did because it's Colonial fucking Williamsburg. Shady, shady plantation. Sun, sun breeze plantation. I can't say the name of the place. It was uh, – You'll get sued. But no, I don't. But th- 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 I don't feel bad about sending. Oh, how about this? Say it and just bleep it out. No, I don't want to have to bleep it out. Like this fucking interview's gone an hour and a half. I'm already gonna have to do a lot of editing. So oh, boo hoo! I've given you all this gold, Steve Bono. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we got to end it. All right, man. Like I, I can't have a two-hour podcast. I'm not. People aren't gonna tolerate this. We're barely tolerating it. This is just this is just turned into a conversation. This is just a catch-up Zoom. We should, catch, we should catch up more often so that when I have you on my podcast, <laughs> we don't mention Steve Bono every forty fucking minutes, and then try to see if I can remember Malcolm X quotes from when we worked at a. <laughs> I mean, you got close. It's it's we sick boss. We sick boss. We sick boss. We sick yeah. boss. We ain't sick, but we is done with this podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, we are. Lucas, should I send people to uh, your Instagram? Is it is it worth it, or have you already made it clear that you think it's a? Uh... I think you should send your listeners to the nearest church where they can light a votive candle on my behalf, so that pray for me. Pray for me so that I can post pictures on Instagram again. Have you really given up on this? Just tell them what it's your over. handle is. So it's that- over. Oh, my handle is my name, Lucas Zachary Hazlitt. H-A-Z-L-E-T-T. Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-L-U-C-A-S. Have Why fun with that, Tenant. Spell it backwards. Why because you- I just watched Tenant, and it makes about as much sense as anything I've said right now. Enjoy Lucas's memento-style Instagram handle. Uh, Lucas... Thanks for doing the show, man. And uh, I don't know who's I don't know who's going to listen all the way through to this madness, but I'll tell you this: anyone who does, you're a fucking champion because you like to listen to two people who deeply miss each other and used to really, really care about each other uh, talk. What the fuck used to care about each other? 
yeah, we cared about each other a lot more then because we were we lived together, worked together, and did improv together. I don't care about you any less now that I don't see you. Is that okay? How you wait, 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 wait. Don't. I'm talking. I'm yeah, talking about the it. words you just said to me. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Hold on, but I'm going to be honest and real. People need to be honest about this. I do not take up as much of your attention time during your daily life because we don't live together, work together, or do improv together anymore. So I, you don't have to care about me as much. You can still care deeply, but not as much. You, we don't occupy each other's time anymore. Use the phrase to describe you uh, from time to time. I, I, I use it for other people as well in my family uh, who qualify for it. You, sometimes you're too smart for your own good. You're a very smart guy, so you can say anything and then weave a golden stream back to some point of reality, and it, it makes sense. What you said, though, it, it hurt, Lucas. I do. I, I, I honestly feel like I care about you as much now as I did when we were way too involved in each other's lives, which was a long period. I think that, again, I will reiterate, I care about my friends as deeply now as I did then, but I don't regard them as much because they're not as much a part of my life anymore. The same way that when we shared an apartment, worked at the same job, and then spent almost every day, every night at a comedy theater, I obviously cared more about you because you made up my life. I wanted to fucking kill you some nights. And I'm sure but that you don't think I got a murderer's row. I got a list of niggas I'm trying to murder because I spend too much time with them. <laughs> That's how it works. And you know what? Maybe I am too smart for my own good. But here's the thing. You know who wasn't too smart for his own good? Steve Fono. <laughs> good show, man. Thanks for doing it. And uh, we'll obviously have you back. All right. Love it. Thanks for listening to the show. To hear more Bring in the Backups or help us grow, please subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a written five-star review. Or subscribe and hit the notification bell on YouTube. For info on the show or how to see Eric live, visit erichelwig.com to hop on the newsletter.